0: Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 41st episode from the PJ Archive. It comprises two interviews I did in London with the legendary record producer George Martin, who worked with entertainment greats such as Peter Sellers, Matt Monroe, Shirley Bassey, Cilla Black, Elton John, Jeff Beck, and most famously, The Beatles. He died in 2016 at the age of 90. My first interview with him took place in 1994, when he had a book to promote.
1: Um, the book's coming out on October the 7th, published by Macmillan, and it's called The Summer of Love. And its subtitle is The Making of Sergeant Pepper. And it all stems from that programme I did for a South Bank show a couple of years ago, which apparently a lot of people liked. It was shown on Disney Channel in America, and i had a lot of mail about it. And in fact, Disney have asked me to do a whole musical series as a result of it so I've got a new career Um, but the book is about the making of Sgt Pepper in some detail so it gives some of the story of all the behind the scenes activities Um, but it also talks about the boys in quite a way too and our lives together
0: Is there quite a bit
1: there that you haven't said before? Yes, there's quite a bit that I haven't said
0: before there's also bits that I have said before
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) Is there quite a lot that you'll never say
1: about the Beatles that you'll take with you to your grave as they say? There are many secrets, you know. Mm. I don't think, I mean, there are, there are some things that I would not reveal because there's no point. It's like, you know, I, there's a lot of things I wouldn't reveal about my wife or children. Um, and I, I regard them in the same way, their family. Do you
0: think the world will be quite shocked by some of the things that you know that you haven't mm. told us though?
1: No, the world is never shocked. When I see what happens, and when we've seen the revelations that have happened recently,
0: even with royalty, the world
1: is never shocked.
0: 25 years since the release of the album Abbey
1: Road. Does it feel like 25 years to you? Well, that's a wonderfully original question. Um, No, it doesn't. It feels like yesterday and sometimes. On the other hand, sometimes it feels like 100 years ago. I never really think too much about anniversaries.
0: Will you be doing anything to celebrate this anniversary?
1: (laughs) No, except I will go along and support my old friends at Abbey Road. All the engineers there are all my old mates. And I'll be along there on Monday afternoon To drink a glass with them As far as Beatles
0: anniversaries are concerned How does this rate as far as you're concerned?
1: The only significance of any anniversary Is to commemorate the original thing And this, the original thing here Was the last album they ever made, Abbey Road it, It's made the studios famous um, you know, You've only got to go and look at the studios And see all the graffiti outside um, It was a great album and So I suppose in that respect One should commemorate it This is what we're doing
0: How aware were all of you who were involved in the making of that album that it might be the last one?
1: Oh, We all knew. I mean, I was quite quite sure that it was the end. I had thought that the end had come earlier, actually. I thought that Let It Be was such an uncomfortable time with everybody at each other's throats that I really thought that Let It Be was going to be our last album, and I was sad about that. But, of course, um, they came back to me and asked me to make another record like the old days and I was surprised, I didn't think they really meant it but they did and they came back and they were all very nice to each other and very cooperative and it was a very warm and endearing album to make
0: Are there any particular stories behind the scenes during the making of the album?
1: Well, I mean, there's, uh, like any album there's, we had our good, good times and we had our down times um, I think when we were doing the long one you know, the, the continuous piece the one that Paul and I kind of engineered um, which john really didn't care for john really was a rocker he just wanted rock titles uh, but we're putting this thing together like a mini symphony and there was a bit there where, where everyone was falling around and they made up their own nonsense words after here comes the sun no not here comes the sun, but the sun king there's a, a lot of jabberwocky stuff in there and uh, some little rude words crept in too we had having good
0: fun you say the atmosphere was good, and yet there's been all this talk ever since that the, uh, the teamwork between the Beatles was basically finished by that stage. Would you agree with that?
1: They all wanted to live their own lives, and you couldn't really blame them. They'd been prisoners of each other. They'd been locked up for nearly ten years. And um, they each wanted to live a life of their own with their own families, which they weren't able to do as Beatles. You know, it was quite a prison, that fame that they had. So um, that was really all it, all it amounted to. And uh, the, the bad feelings that they'd had during Let It Be were, were patched over. I mean, in spite of all their differences, they, they all loved each other very much.
0: How did you think Abbey Road rates in comparison to the other Beatles albums?
1: Well, you have to go along with what you like, isn't it? Um, and, you know, your favourites. And Abbey Road is one of my favourites. I think it's a super album. Uh, there's some lovely stuff on it. And the end part, you know, the Golden Slumbers, that sequence... I think it's one of the best bits of writing that Paul's ever done. May we ask you your favourite tracks on the album? Uh, there are a lot. Come Together's one, um, Because, both, both John songs. Um, the one I've just mentioned of Paul's. Um, there, there are quite a few. I'd have, to rem- I'd have to look through the list to remind myself.
0: How long did it take to make that album? Can you give us some idea as to what it took to put that together?
1: Oh, gosh, I can't remember now. It is 25 years ago. You'd have to look up the archives
0: and find out. I've no idea. When you see the old photographs and so on of you all recording in there, does that um, make you feel quite emotional?
1: Sure. I mean, one one always looks back at those times with a great deal of um, nostalgic warmth. You know, I'm a sucker for, for the good old times. Um... I'm sorry that John isn't with us, because he was a marvellous bloke, and we miss him. It's, it's, you know, it's like looking at old friends and thinking of the good times you've had together. We did have good times. How often do you listen to the Beatles albums, especially um, Abbey Road, for instance? Normally, not at all. Um, I, I mean, I knew, know them inside out. I sometimes perform some of the works when I do symphony concerts. But normally I don't dig back and listen to the records, except un- unless there's a particular reason. I mean, I had to do that when we when we scheduled them for CD, and recently I've been working on other stuff for the Beatles. Um, I've been listening to a lot of their spoken word. I've been hearing John talking to me again, as well as Paul and Ringo and George. Um, so I'm never far away from them. Now, I imagine you're, uh, you've always been a great perfectionist. When you
0: listen back to the, to the album, for instance, Abbey Road, Do you sort of feel you could have done it differently? Do you wish you'd done it differently?
1: Not really. Uh, I I don't like sort of going back over things too much, and people say, would you like to do it all over again? Um, No, I'd run away from that. You know, what we did was the best we could at the time. It may have its imperfections, may, may have a few warts on it, but... That was it, that was history. If you want to polish up and make it perfect, somebody else can do it, not me. There was a lot of fuss
0: made about the cover of that album. People saying well, Paul McCartney was dead at that time and all sorts of things. How much aware were you of all that? Or was that just fan talk?
1: Oh no, I mean, everybody knew about the myth of, of Paul dying. Uh, I was actually in my house one afternoon with Paul and we were routining something and the phone rang and it was a, a crazy girl from Atlanta, Georgia, saying, please tell me Paul isn't dead. And I said, Paul isn't dead. No, oh, you're telling me a lie. I said, "Right, well, right, OK, no, I won't tell you Paul is dead. isn't dead. Um, you know, we used to get that kind of hysteria, and the fact that he was with me didn't make any difference, he didn't believe me anyway. People believe what they want to believe, and uh, that, that was absolutely
0: crazy. People totally read into the, that uh, album cover. How much of it was made deliberately? How much was that was put into people's minds, the number plate and the fact that John was wearing a different kind of suit?
1: Absolutely nothing. I mean, nothing was ever contemplated. It was a load of rubbish, really. I remember when we were doing the track for um, Strawberry Fields, um, we had a kind of powerhouse rhythm section, about nine people playing different percussion instruments and everybody having a whoopee time. John and Paul playing away on timpani and bongos and God knows what else, while Ringo was trying to keep the tempo together. And at the end of the track, Uh, John, for whatever reason, came into his mind, just chanted, cranberry sauce, cranberry sauce. Well, it was coming up to Christmas time. And, um, I mean, just one of the things that he would do. Well, that kind of silly little bit of speech was actually still on the record. when we mixed it, and you can very, very faintly hear it in in the fade-out. And But people didn't think it was cranberry sauce. They think he was saying, I buried Paul, I buried Paul. And it does sound a bit like it. But that was the beginning of the myths, you know. And then you had all the other ones of Paul having his back to the camera and having a black carnation and the, and the number plates and so on. But, I mean, it was just fiction. You can make, as I say, you can, people believe what they want to believe and you can make almost anything work if you want to.
0: Are you saying they did nothing to encourage that myth?
1: Absolutely nothing at all. I mean, we laughed a lot at it and we didn't take it seriously. And then it became, it it sort of gathered momentum, you know, it became like a bloody great snowball hurtling down and turning into an avalanche. It was absolute nonsense.
0: Were they secretly chuckling about it? Were you all having a good old laugh at the way
1: people were interpreting things? Well, of course we were. (laughs) But it did become a a bind because, um, you know, it, it became too much of a good thing after a while because people really did fervently believe it. Probably still people today who do. Now, you say
0: that uh, all of you believe that this would be the last album. Did you think that maybe for that period, and do you think that maybe one day they would get back together and and carry
1: on? Uh, no. I thought once they'd broken up... I mean, we had, we had a, nearly a decade of marvellous recording, and they all wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to make their own records, which they did. Um, there was no incentive to get back because it would have meant... It would have meant competing with themselves as young people and you know that was not on the cards it, the beatles existed they don't exist anymore even if george and john george and paul and ringo get back together again and they have already been in the studio it's still not the
0: beatles did you think up until john's death that uh, there would there might ever
1: be a reunion I thought they might do concerts together, rather like the old Stones are, you know, old geriatrics wandering around, raking in the money and and cavorting around. But they haven't done, and I'm quite glad they haven't, really. You you are genuinely glad. You think it's a good thing that they didn't? Well, I'm always uncomfortable about people trying to be something they're not. And um, the Beatles did exist, and they no longer exist. The three people who remain are marvellous musicians, and their coming together is, is a nice thing to do, but they certainly shouldn't call themselves the Beatles.
0: So can you tell us exactly what has happened as far as the, the present situation is concerned? Because we've been hearing all the talk about comebacks and reunion concerts and things. What exactly has happened?
1: Um, they've been in the studio together. They, you know we've been doing an anthology of their lives on, on, on video, and I'm working on a, uh, an oral equivalent. Uh, they've been in the studio. I wasn't with them. And they've been working, doing a little bit together, but it's nothing earth-shattering. And um, there's no plans at the moment for doing a reunion concert. They might do something someday, but there's nothing definite. Who
0: are they using to replace John?
1: No one, as far as I know.
0: I mean, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not party of it. Now, this is, as you say, to do with this anthology. You mean the documentary, The
1: Long and Winding Road, that we keep hearing about? Yes, it's not going to be called The Long and Winding Road. It, it right. is It is a documentary, yeah. Right. It traces their lives from the beginning to the, the time they broke up. Mm. What is your participation in that, at least? Um, I'm doing an oral equivalent of it. In other words, I'm making up a, a whole series of CDs which, which trace their history in the same way that the video does. And they will be issued around about the same time. Can
0: one ask your, your favourite memories of the Beatles or are there just too many to mention?
1: Too many to mention. Um, and they, I mean, I've still got memories of which are happening now, you know, because I still see them. Now, I think that um, it was a whole lifetime. You can't sum it up in a glib word.
0: You've been doing some uh, excellent work since and, and continue to do so. But, I mean, is that the best time of your life, though, would you say?
1: Oh, no. The best time of my life is right now. Because I'm living it, and I didn't, you know, that, that, it's all in the past. Uh, it, you might say was the best time in my life with Peter Sellers or, or with the other artists I worked with before the Beatles, or afterwards with Jeff Beck and people like that. No, they were, they were good times. They were good times and bad times. But the best time is now.
0: Do you feel you've been given the credit you deserve as far as the Beatles are
1: concerned? Yes, absolutely. I've been given all the credit I could have ever wished for. Probably too much.
0: To think that it nearly didn't happen between you all, that you nearly didn't get
1: involved with them,
0: how do you feel about that now?
1: Well, if I didn't get involved with them, they wouldn't have got involved with me. Mm. And who knows? They may not have existed as we know them now.
0: You mentioned earlier that you're still in touch with the uh, the other three Beatles. Can we talk a bit about what they're up to individually as well as this group thing?
1: I think they're all enjoying themselves quite a lot. Paul is um, always working. You know, He has a studio... He goes to work. You know, he leaves his home and he goes to work to his studios. He purposely built the studio away from home, so he actually did the, the going to work bit. And at the moment, he's working on a, a big cantata kind of thing or a classical work of some sort. And I think that's for some celebration coming up. George is sorting himself out. He had a marvelous time, a marvellously successful time, with handmade films. Um, but. It, that also brought a lot of problems for him. And I think he's now enjoying getting back to music, and he's certainly enjoying his family. Danny, his son, is a marvellous young man, and he's growing up fast. And Ringo, similarly, is enjoying his um, retirement, you might say, but he, he's not really retired. He does lots of individual little things. And I rang up the other day because in Los Angeles they wanted to do a version of Peter and the Wolf with the London Philharmonic Orchestra. And I said, you know, are you going to be in L.A.? Would you like to do it? It's something you haven't done. And he said, well, I'd like to, but I can't do it on that particular week. So that's the kind of thing he likes doing, you know, performances, that sort of thing. You've always come across as a sort of an uncle
0: figure to the Beatles. Would you say that's a fair description of, of how they are? Are they, are they the same with you now as they've always been?
1: Uncle? I, I always think I'm big brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're about, there's about 14 to 18 years difference between the youngest and the oldest. So it's a kind of big brother relationship. But, I mean, when you get to the age of 50, which is most what they are now, or more older in the case of Ringo, you don't think of it quite that bad. You know, he's just
0: a slightly older person. Do they sort of speak to you and treat you in exactly the same way as they've always
1: done? Oh, yes, they call me the same names as they ever did, as I used to joke about them. Their success has never changed them. They're still the same arrogant devils they always were. So what sort of things do they call you? Oh, no, I'm joking. I mean, we we have a nice, affectionate relationship, really.
0: Can you just say what how you would feel about them uh, getting back together now? If if there was to be a concert or something, would you be for that?
1: Oh, if the three of them appeared in a concert together, yes, that's um, that's fine because um, you know they've been they're, they're good friends and they're 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 better friends than they've ever been, providing that people are not not expecting now the rebirth of the Beatles. Now, I think enough time has gone past now for that not to happen. So it won't be Beatles again, it'll be George and Paul and Ringo having fun.
0: And now for the second of my interviews with George Martin, which occurred in 1995 at Air Studios in North London, which was celebrating its 25th anniversary, and he began by telling me about its history.
1: The four producers, that was myself, John Burgess, Ron Richards, Peter Sullivan, and three ladies, one of which became my wife, started Air Studios in 1965. And by 1970, we were able to raise enough money to build a studio for ourselves. And we, we built the studio originally for... for we actually, our slogan was a studio that was built by producers for producers because we knew what we wanted, and, um, and we set about getting it. So... The studios in Oxford Circus quickly established themselves as being very very up-to-date, very technol- technologically right, you know. We were 16-track when Abbey Road were only 8, that kind of thing. They became very, very successful. And then we, I opened their studios in Montserrat 10 years later, and that ran for 11 years very successfully. With Until you had a hurricane, didn't you? We had Hurricane Hugo, which wiped us out, mm. which was a great shame. The Rolling Stones, I think, were one of the last people to work there. And... Now, unfortunately, Montserrat, of course, is threatened with a volcano. But I still have the property out there. And now, of course, we have the third studio, which is this place in Hampstead, which is the biggest and the best. And it opened uh, two and a half years ago.
0: Which was a converted church, isn't
1: it? It is. It was a wonderful old church built by Sir Alfred Waterhouse in Victorian times. And it's a listed building, Grade Two with a star. And so English Heritage had a lot to say in the way I converted it. Um, and it was a labour of love, really. Uh, it cost a lot of money to do it, but it was well worth doing, I think. And it's, a, it's got a lovely, lovely sound.
0: When you first saw the building, did you immediately spot its potential as a recording
1: studio? Yes, you get a kind of gut feeling about these things. And um, I knew that the volume that was there that I wanted for a really good orchestral sound. In fact, to be honest, it, was be- it turned out to be better than I thought it would be. And it really is, for, the, for strings, it's the best sound I've ever heard. Abbey Road's always been my yardstick, and I'm happy to say, I mean, I, I love Abbey Road and I still work there, but this studio is better. Some people would imagine it's hard to follow up working with The Beatles, that you couldn't ever have, have so much fun again, but you have. Yeah, well, the, I mean, The Beatles lasted nearly a decade, and uh, we had a great deal of fun. We also had a, it was an enormous amount of work. I mean, I, looking back, I've been going back through all those years because I've been preparing the music for an anthology of which is coming out later this year. So I've been listening to everything I did 30 years ago. And you forget, you know, you, you, you always forget the bad times. You don't remember those, you put them aside. You know, I also forgot how hard we worked, you know. The week that we did Hey Jude, for example, I was in the studio from 2.30 in the afternoon until 3.30, sometimes 5.30 the following morning. And on Tuesday evening, we laid down the track for Hey Jude. On Thursday night... We put in the orchestra, and I booked the orchestra for it. Somewhere in between, I found time to write the score for that orchestra, and yet I was in the studios in the afternoons and evenings. So it was, you know, it was a incredible looking back on it.
0: The three surviving Beatles are working on this record
1: with the John Lennon backing track, as it were. How do you feel about them doing that? Well, I know, I know the record very well, and it's marvellous, absolutely super. I was a bit un- uneasy about it to begin with, it's a bit like, well, like Natalie Cole singing with her father. You know, it's always a bit, little bit weird. Mm. Um, but they, they did a wonderful job on it. I didn't produce it. Um, they, they, they took John's voice and tried to separate it from the piano accompaniment because it was just a demo. But they made it, I mean, you can hear John quite clearly. And Paul and George um, actually contributed extra composition. You know, they made it into a different kind of, slightly different kind of song. George has a blistering guitar solo, a great guitar solo. Paul, of course, is superb, singing and playing bass. And Dear Ringo contributes a wonderful drum track, so it's a very good record. Which sort of Beatles era does it represent best? Well, curiously enough, it's the kind of record, I think, that if the Beatles had been together, they would have made today. I think it is very contemporary, Mm. as well as being very much Beatles.
0: What is your relationship with the three surviving Beatles at the moment? We're just
1: good friends. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, sure, I'm, I've, we've always been good friends and uh, I see quite a lot of them
0: Are you still working with them? Are you still going to work with them?
1: Well, they all, we all live in different places I mean, Paul lives down in Sussex which is actually about 160 miles from where I live but we meet in London and George lives a bit near, he lives in Henley but when he's not in Hawaii or Los Angeles Ringo lives abroad, so I don't see Ringo all that much but I have seen him quite a bit this year because you know they've been popping in to see what we've been doing and listening to the records that I've been uh, sort of turfing over, and uh, they've been extremely helpful. Have any of them given you messages of support for tonight? Yes, indeed. Well, you did, Paul did a special film for me, and I heard from George and, and Ringo too. Yeah, I mean they don't come to these kind of things, and I don't blame them. Um, but Paul gave a very nice, very nice message on film. Can you tell us a bit about what they said to you, each one? Well, I mean, it was just good luck, mate, and uh, it's wonderful. Is it 25 years? Don't believe it, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, uh, and Paul, of course, inimitably says you know, he's recounted all the happy times that we've had together in the studios, in Montserrat in particular, mm-hmm. because he came out there and we worked with Stevie Wonder. Ringo came out there too, and um, we had a great time. Carl Perkins came out. I remember Carl Perkins in Montserrat, I'd, he'd never been to the West Indies before. And I put him in a villa near the beach. And I rang him the following morning. I said, you, you've been OK, Carl? Did you sleep all right? He said, man, I thought I'd died and gone to hell. <laughs> Who else would
0: you like to work
1: with that you haven't worked with already? Well, uh, I'll tell you something. I don't want to work with anybody again now. I mean, I did not mean that nastily, but I, I don't want to make any more records. Uh, basically, because I've, I've made so many. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm now nearly 70. I've been recording for 45 years, and um, I don't, I've reached the stage where I don't really want to do anymore. Um, I've been terribly blessed with having worked with wonderful people all my life. I can't think of anybody that I... I mean, there are some people that I admire enormously, um, that, that it would have been fun to work with, but you can't do everything. So what is your future, do you think? Do you think you're going to stay here for another 10 years? Well, there's a lot for me to do here. I mean, there's, there's this, this studio, and there's uh, I have the, the radio station, which is yeah. open tonight. Um, I also, I will probably do some television. I've been asked to do a television series, uh, which I shall probably embark upon next year. And um, there's also lots of other things. I've, I'm, I'm making a rec- my last record for myself. Uh, and I intend to enjoy myself a bit more, too. When you say you're making your last record for yourself, are you actually singing on it? No, of course not. No, I can't sing. uh, No, no, it's an orchestral record. Can you
0: pick one record from your entire career that really stands out as your favourite?
1: No. (laughs) I mean, there are lots of favourites. And lots lots of Beatles songs, which are great. Um, There are many many records which I love, which people haven't heard, or a lot of people haven't heard. Records like the record I made with the Mahavishnu Orchestra called Apocalypse, or record I made with a winter consort called Icarus. You know, most people haven't heard of those, and they were great records. You can't have hits with everything. John Dankworth and I were talking, chatting tonight, and he said to me, he said, we had two big hits together. One was um, African Waltz, and the other was Experiments with Mice, a long time ago. How come you never made more with me? I said, listen, John, we didn't just make hit records. We made good records. That's the, that's the most important thing. Dare I ask how you'd like to be remembered one day? Oh gosh, I don't really—I don't really care if I'm not remembered. To be honest, it's not really important. When you're gone, you're gone.
0: You're going to get legendary status.
1: You already have. No nonsense, absolute rubbish. You get—I mean, the whole thing—the the the producer is not as important as the artist. He's not as important as the songwriter. He's—you know—he's only a cog in the wheel. He's the guy who helps. And I've been lucky enough to help a lot of great people. I'm not—I'm not the genius. All the others are. You're certainly a very modest man. Thank you. Not at all.